Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bilotto. Kim, we have the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commissioner, David Porter, in studio with us today to talk about the state of the oil and gas industry. And you'll have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston. We'll be back right after this. The Houston Energy Breakfast is coming up on September 17th at 6.15 a.m. to 9 a.m. at the Weston Oaks Galleria, located at 5011 Westheimer Road in Houston, Texas. Speakers will include Chairman David Porter of the Texas Railroad Commission, Greg Garland, CEO of Phillips 66, and William Yardley, the president of Spectra Energy. Simply put, it's a can't-miss industry event. Registration is happening online at www.houstonenergybreakfast.com. Once again, that's www.houstonenergybreakfast.com. Steer is calling all oil and gas industry companies, contractors, and all community stakeholders to submit an entry or nominate a deserving company or organization for the third annual Eagle Ford Excellence Awards. The Eagle Ford Excellence Awards provides oil and gas companies, organizations, and their contractors an opportunity to be acknowledged for their efforts in preserving the environment, contributing to the communities in which they work, and promoting safety in and around their workplace. For more information and to nominate a company or organization, please email info at steer.com or visit steer.com EFEA. Once again, that's info at steer.com or visit steer.com slash EFEA. Submit your entry or nomination in today. It's time to welcome our very special guest, Chairman David Porter, onto the show today. Chairman Porter is a leading expert in the oil and gas industry. Kim, take it away. Welcome, Chairman Porter. It's always a pleasure to have the agency of the Railroad Commission in studio. But to have the chairman is a great honor. Thank you so much for driving in from Austin to be with us today. Well, thank you very much, Kim, for having me down here. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and talk to your listeners on the radio show. It's a great opportunity to get out more information about how important the oil and gas industry is to the state and also hopefully a little bit about what the Railroad Commission does and what our job entails. Tell me, Chairman Porter, a little bit about yourself and why did you run for the Railroad Commission? I mean... Do you just wake up one morning and you decide that you want to be a railroad commissioner? No, it was nothing that dramatic, I should say. It was a combination of a long period of time thinking about what was going on in our country politically and it just looking at circumstances. 2009, after President Obama took office and his administration was declaring war on fossil fuels and coming up with all sorts of ideas that would be very disastrous for the oil and gas industry and would also be disastrous for the long-established, well-worked principle that in the United States the oil and gas industry was regulated by the states rather than the federal government. I decided someone needed to do something about it, and that's a good deal of what motivated me to run for office. Also, I was also concerned about what had gone on in the Barnett Shale in the 2006, 7, 8 period of time where 
urban drilling was happening and there was a understanding or a seeming understanding among the general public and part of that area that the oil and gas industry wasn't being regulated, that the industry could do whatever they wanted, that the Railroad Commission was doing nothing, which was entirely incorrect, but nevertheless, that was the perception that certain parts of the media were pushing, and I felt we needed strong leadership on the Railroad Commission to combat those misperceptions, and that's really what motivated me to run. I'd been active in politics at a local level in Midland for for many years, and my background as a CPA and an investor in some oil and gas leases led me to understand the business side of the industry, led me to understand how important this industry was to the state and to the nation, and I guess you could say it was a combination of all of those factors that motivated me to run for office in 2010. To clarify, we actually have three railroad commissioners. The other two are Commissioner Christy Craddock and Ryan Sitton, and together you three act as a collective body, correct? That is correct. There are three railroad commissioners, and we serve such staggered six-year terms. We're elected statewide by the people of Texas. Currently, I'm the longest-serving commissioner. My term will be up next year. And Christy Craddock was elected in 2012, and Ryan Sitton was elected last year and started on the commission in January of this year. We vote on commission matters at an open meeting which are typically every two weeks. And as far as uh, the commission matters are concerned, each of the votes are equal. In fact, one of the things, uh, the stories going around, what they like to tell the new commissioners is when, when you get on the railroad commission, the most important thing that you can learn is how to count to two. <laughs> with that, we need to take a break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch, where Kim Bilotto is visiting with the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commissioner, Commissioner David Porter, is in studio with us today. And we'll be right back with more next on In the Oil Patch. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to improve awareness of your brand? Any business can benefit from advertising in the oil and gas industry. After all, Texas received $87 billion dollars that's with a B. That's right, $87 billion in economic impact from the oil and gas industry last year alone. Did your business benefit from this thriving industry? Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine will keep you in front of customers that you need to grow your business. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com to learn more. Or call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true 3- and 6-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source Side-by-Side Owner Study. 
The inaugural State of Energy event is coming up on October 14th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Solomon PRT Center in Corpus Christi, Texas. The event is brought to you by Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine and the Corpus Christi Chamber of Commerce. The event is sponsored by Steer, Encana Natural Gas, and Chenier. Our speaker lineup will include Port of Corpus Christi Commissioner Barbara Canales, Chenier, Encana, Omar Garcia of Steer, and many more. Sponsorship packages and tickets can be purchased at the Corpus Christi Chamber of Commerce's website, business.corpuschristichamber.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto, who's visiting with the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Commissioner David Porter. Kim? So last week, a U.S. judge, Judge Ralph Erickson of North Dakota, issued a preliminary injunction against the implementation of the EPA's Water of the United States regulation. It appears likely that the EPA has violated its congressional grant of authority in its promulgation of the rule. Quoted Judge Erickson in a meeting stated that the EPA's regulation is unlawful. Now, Texas was one of those states. Tell me a little bit about the lawsuit and why did the Railroad Commission feel compelled to get involved in this? Railroad Commission got involved in the suit basically because we thought these rules were totally outrageous and not just from an oil and gas viewpoint, although certainly they were, but it's also very bad legislation in my opinion, or very bad regulation. It's Let me clarify, it's not legislation, it's regulation by the EPA. If you are in the farm or ranching business, it's detrimental. If you even just own rural property it's very detrimental and we thought we wanted to be a part of a massive effort both the number of agencies in the state of texas as well as a number of states around the the u.s to say this is a contravention of how this these statutes had been defined in the past it's a tremendous usurpation of local and individual property rights and we are opposed to this. I am very pleased that the judge in North Dakota issued his preliminary injunction. I think that's positive. Hopefully, the whole thing will be thrown out over the course of time as we continue to pursue the legal process. Chairman Porter, I want to go back to May when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and the EPA issued the ruling which it estimated to put about 3% more waterways throughout the U.S. under new federal jurisdiction. That would require a federal permit to dirty those waters and could restrict access altogether. Now, major waterways, just for clarification, like most rivers and lakes, are already protected under the Clean Water Act. So these are in some cases just standing puddles of water or ditches, possibly. We all know that water is a precious resource and is already protected, So tell me, why is this new regulation met with such resistance? I think the important thing to remember is they are redefining navigable waters. That's what historically the Clean Water Act covered, and I think people understood that, you know, if a navigable water is something that you can get a boat down or have some activity like that, I think just the fact where you mentioned that it, only puts about 3% more water under waste under the coverage shows that pretty much most of the waste was already covered under existing 
rule. But what what's so, to me, incredible about this is, you know, intermittent creek beds, which we certainly have a lot of in Texas, anybody that has rural property, or man-made ditches could be covered, or even a pond or a tank on your property could conceivably be covered if there's water comes in from another property. So it, it just covers a lot of stuff that would interfere with individuals' use of their property and has never been covered by these regulations before, and it's just another massive power grab by the EPA and the federal government, which needs to be resisted for the benefit of the farmers and ranchers, the rural property owners, as as well as the oil and gas industry. Okay. Commissioner Porter, what are the consequences, in your opinion, of the new water rules that will come into effect? Well, hopefully there will be no consequences because they will never get put into effect. But if they are, once again, all property owners and rural property will have one more level of regulation and land use that will lessen their use and enjoyment of their own property, make life more difficult, more expensive. It will probably complicate the oil and gas industry's use of water for drilling and hydraulic fracturing operations. It'll just make life more difficult, more expensive, and less efficient efficient in the future. You know, Chairman Porter, critics, including lawmakers, businesses, and even farming groups, say that the rule amounts to a federal grab of the state's rights. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I I cannot agree more that that's exactly what it is. The state state rights and local property owner rights. I'm curious to know, where do you see this ending up? I hope I'm not being overly optimistic, but I, we should see this ending up nowhere as being totally thrown out as being an overreach and a dramatic illegal change in the regulatory framework and structure and being disallowed. So, Chairman Porter, please tell me all the new regulations that the energy industry is facing with the Obama administration. Well, Kim, Al, I don't know if I can tell you all of them. Uh, There's probably too long a list to enumerate, but we'll, we'll discuss a few. In addition to the EPA's new interpretation of navigable waters, which we just talked about, one of the things that the industry's facing, and not just the oil and gas industry, but all of us as consumers and citizens, it's a so-called clean power plan. And then recently, the EPA has come out with a new proposal to cut methane emissions. When you think about those, I just talked about the Clean Power Plan is going to have a huge direct negative impact on Texas because it not only harms the coal industry, and when I mentioned, or I think I mentioned recently, that we have 10,000 people in Texas that work in the coal industry, 99.9% of the coal mined in Texas goes right to a power plant and is used in the production of electricity. So on these hot Texas summers when the grid's right at the edge, if, if we start losing coal plants, it's going to affect our entire 
grid production, raise our electricity cost, and perhaps lead to brownouts or blackouts, which are going to be which would be very costly for Texas families and businesses. Kim, Chairman Porter, we need to take a break. My name's Alvin Bailey, and Kim Bellotto is here visiting with the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, David Porter. And we'll be back with more in the oil patch next. The inaugural State of Energy event is coming up on December 9th from 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Pearl Stables in San Antonio, Texas. The event is sponsored by Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine, Steer, and the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Our speaker lineup will include Halliburton, Senator Uresti, Omar Garcia of Steer, and more. Sponsorship package and tickets can be purchased by contacting Blanca at the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce called 210-225-0462. Once again, that's 210-225-0462. Do you know what it takes to be number one? Do you know what it really means to be number one, like number one in the whole United States? Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here to tell you about Bluebonnet Chrysler Dodge Ram Trucks. They're number one in Ram chassis sales in 2014 for the whole country. And number one sales means number one inventory. With hundreds of Ram chassis available and upfitted from a standard flatbed to mechanic service and crane bodies to accommodate every industry. Whether farming, ranching, construction, plumbing, HVAC, electrical, delivery, hotshot, or even oil and gas. The team at the Bluebonnet Chrysler Dodge Ram Commercial Truck Center has your inventory. Call today for your best deal. Let me give you the phone number. It's 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656 or visit bbdodge.com. The Bluebonnet Chrysler Dodge Ram Commercial Truck Center, 547 South Seguin Avenue in New Braunfels, and a proud member of the Kalig Auto Group. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto, who's visiting with Chairman David Porter of the Texas Railroad Commission. Kim, take it away. So, Chairman Porter, we all know that all the new regulations at the energy industry is facing with the Obama administration will have a negative impact on the energy industry. But can you tell me what other areas will be impacted, such as business, taxes, rainy day fund? All those areas are going to continue to be impacted as the cost of energy production goes up, overall economic efficiency will go down, business will decrease, taxes will decrease, the Texas rainy day fund will decrease. So, From an economic viewpoint, there are certainly no positives and mostly negatives by the current administration's massive new regulatory schemes. So let's discuss another topic, oil exports. The topic of crude exploration has been making national headlines recently. Can you tell me why the export ban was implemented back in the 1970s? Well... I'm probably the only one here old enough to remember the oil export ban, but back in the 70s, as part of the activity going on in the Middle East and the Arab-Israeli wars, the Arabs decided to, if they quit sending oil to the U.S. and Europe, that uh, they could pressure us to support their side against the Israelis. What the United States did at that time, they passed a law banning the export of oil overseas to keep oil in the U.S., our, our production in the U.S., and the thinking being that we were not, that would help prevent us being, in effect, blackmailed by the Arabs with their oil embargo, that we would keep all our produced oil in, in the U.S. since we had a shortage of oil at that time. 
And that's also historically roughly the period of time when the U.S. went from a net oil exporter to a net oil importer in, in the very early 70s. Chairman Porter Alvin here. Did this? Did the export ban, and I'm not old enough to remember, well, I am, but I don't. <laughs> was the oil export ban prior to the creation of the Department of Energy, or was that Department of Energy post export ban? I actually am not sure. The export ban, I believe, was in 74, which was um, when Ford was still president. And I want to say energy was started by Carter when he came in in 76. But I'm, I'm honestly, without looking that up, I'm not sure. Roughly the same time frame within a couple of years. I think you're correct. Now, Chairman Porter, there is a concern that I have seen often recently. I think there's a lack of information on how lifting the ban would benefit us here in the U.S. I think it is counterintuitive for most people who recognize that our energy industry here needs to rebound oil prices. But will exporting oil help our energy industry? There are two ways that lifting the ban would benefit us. And I think you're exactly right, the premise of your question, that it's counterintuitive. But lifting the ban will actually have the effect of lowering gasoline prices. And I know that sounds a little bit strange when you first think about it. But gasoline prices are actually set on the world market. The U.S. refiners can export gasoline after they refine it. But the crude oil folks cannot export crude oil. So if we actually start exporting crude oil, what that will do is lower the spread between, for example, right now the main U.S. market for oil is priced on WTI, West Texas Intermediate Crude which sells at a discount to Brent crude, which is the typical oil from the North Seas. But those are kind of used as uh, evidence or the general market for oil overseas um, as a proxy for the market. For the last several years, because of basically because of some transportation issues in the United States and primarily because of the export ban, WTI has sold at a discount, sometimes as much as 10 to $15. Currently, it's less because prices are down, but it's still 5 to 10% of the market spread in there in the discount. And if you can sell our oil on the world market, that discount is going to narrow. Prices, U.S. price will move up some. World price will move down some. Since... Gasoline is priced on the world market. The fact that oil prices worldwide will move down will also cause U.S. gasoline prices and world prices to come down. The estimates, the studies I've seen, estimate that they will come down by 12 cents a gallon if, if you export U.S. crude oil. That will also increase by a couple of dollars roughly, and this is an estimate, a couple of dollars a barrel right now under current discount, the U.S. selling price, which will help 
the oil companies themselves. So it's pretty much a win-win for the entire industry as well as the consumer. Chairman Porter Alvin, I want to chime in here and, and kind of pick your brain for a second. We've seen oil, and knowing that it's not sustainable at $100 a barrel, and we've seen oil recently dip into the 30s, and I think today we're back near $50 a barrel, 49 and some change. Where do you think we go from here? Look into your crystal ball, and where where does the industry go from here? And I know there's there's more factors than I'm smart enough to understand that, that are involved with, with that prediction, but... If I were able to accurately predict oil prices, I probably would not be a commissioner. I'd probably be a commodities trader. But um, seriously, I, I'm hoping we've seen the the low for this cycle. Oil, there, there are so many factors that affect oil prices, Every, everything from international relations, wars in the Middle East and Africa, rebellions, hurricanes, market disruptions. There, there are so many different factors that affect it that it's the market's going to continue to be volatile. It, it's my hope that we'll continue to stay above $50 a barrel and hopefully in the long term continue to climb back up in a slow and steady uh, incline. Certainly... Supply is one side of it. Uh, the world economic situation, there has not been a great growth in demand the last couple of years, which is one of the things that I think has led to the decline in, in oil prices is the fact that demand has not increased. Commissioner Porter, we want to thank you for being our guest today, and uh, congratulations because you get to be the topic of today's trivia question. If you're the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com, you'll win a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant. And here we go. Here's the trivia question. Listen close, and I hope you've been listening to the whole show. Earlier in the show, Chairman of the Railroad Commission, David Porter, mentioned that a city that he started out in the oil and gas industry in, and you'll need to name that city. Email your response to radio at shalemag.com. Again, that's radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. And remember, the first correct email wins a $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant. We need to take another quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bellotto, and we'll be back right after this. The inaugural State of Energy event is coming up on December 9th from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Pearl Stables in San Antonio, Texas. The event is sponsored by Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine, Steer, and the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Our speaker lineup will include Halliburton, Senator Uresti, Omar Garcia of Steer, and more. Sponsorship packages and tickets can be purchased by contacting Blanca at the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, call 210-225-0462. Once again, that's 210-225-0462. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. Kim, hey, we've got a great guest in studio with us today, Cecil Johnson from High Touch Technologies, and he's sitting right next to us, so let's take it away. That's right, Alvin. Cecil, welcome to In the Oil Patch. Thank you. So, Cecil, why don't you give our listeners a quick background on High Touch Technology? Uh, High Touch Technologies is a professional IT services company. We've been around about 31 years, and we're now 100% employee-owned. Kind of think of ourselves as a one-stop technology shop for businesses. 
You know, we offer managed IT services, network management, device management, IT outsourcing, uh, telephony and video conferencing, programming for web development, and our custom development if needed. You know, I, I, I just can't speak enough to how important it is for a business that still might be operating uh, with old software or maybe having an outdated website or not really understanding how, you know, technology keeps evolving every day. And the greater you invest, I mean, to me, there's no other important things you can do besides investing in advertising your business potentially so people know you're there and then investing in your infrastructure which is your technology you just cannot operate a business it's very hard for me to even believe there are businesses out there that are not taking full advantage of today's technologies so why would a company choose high touch technologies well we we lean more towards a consultative type of approach to a client it's not just this isn't working or this isn't working it becomes Let's look at the entire big picture on everything they have going on, what is working really well and what maybe isn't working as well. And then we're also looking in the future. We're not looking for a quick fix scenario. We're looking down the road. Where is our technology? If we put this in place today, what will we have to do five, six, seven years now? Because technology just evolves on an almost weekly basis in, in the industry. And um, we provide a hands-on approach. We get very intimate with our clients as far as their needs and their desires. You know, Cecil, a lot of people, including myself, don't stop and think that the uh, Internet's really even been around 31 years, but it has. And I think a lot of our listeners see and hear about new and emerging technologies so often that it's just overwhelming. We live in the technology age. What do you say makes high-touch technologies different in the world of the tech business? Well, our, our know-how is, a, is the leading edge for us. You know, we've got... Engineers have all types of certification. Uh, we're CGIS compliant. We're TWIC compliant in regards to that. I've got all my engineers are, are TWIC certified and able to get onto the facilities that a lot of people can't get on in that regard. We have resources that assist our clients with improving whatever their particular needs or whatever their particular desires are. And we've been in the business a long time doing this, so we understand it. It's not always about what immediately out there is the latest and greatest thing. It's what works best for your individual situation. You know, I have to be honest with you. When we first began with Shell Magazine, we really honestly thought that we just needed a website. And we grew so fast out of that website. And literally, I found myself having to ask questions and investing with a company that could help us move forward with uh, this fast pace of having not just a magazine, but also a radio show. So, you know, in all honesty with the listeners, we actually purchased two websites because the first one without asking enough questions and without being with a company that we could grow with that could see our vision for growth we just basically bought a website that was we outgrew so fast and so it is important to connect with the right company that can ask the right questions so your your business is prepared to grow as you grow um, and, and part of that is developing an infrastructure. So, Cecil, where do you see the growth of high-touch technologies heading in the future? Well, the two of the biggest, well, I, let me say the biggest component is in cloud technology, which a lot of people are are not as educated about what is a cloud, and they're looking up in the sky and thinking that that's where it is. And in reality, is a cloud is just having all of your infrastructure housed somewhere else. There are companies out there that like to just to go ahead and do a capital expenditure, and then you'll have to do it again somewhere down the road inevitably, but that's the way they've got their, their balance sheet set up. 
There are other companies that are, have embraced a new cloud technology, especially with our, our Shortel Sky product, which is a voice over IP phone system, and our LifeSize cloud product. So now you're not having to house a bunch of equipment, nor are you having to manage all this equipment. It's being managed somewhere else by someone else. You've got monthly charges that you pay for that, and you don't have the capital expenditure you would on having just exclusively on-premise type of equipment. So that's really the evolution of where we're going with technology. Where is your company's headquarters, and how many different uh, locations do you service? And is it just strictly here in Texas, or are you all over? Well, our corporate States? office is in Wichita. Uh, we've got offices in Dallas, in uh, Colorado, in um, Oklahoma, uh, Wichita, obviously, Kansas City, and actually two facilities there in Kansas City. We have two sides of our company. One side is what is called the RTO side, and we've got international clients with that. With our side, which is the managed IT side, we've also got, in a matter of fact, I've got a client in Panama that I've never met that needed our services, and we handle 100% remotely. Now, I'm trying to get my company to send me down there just to supervise things, which is obviously I'm not required to do that, but uh, I'm just trying to get a free trip out of them. So we handle <laughs> all over the place. And then also um, companies like the Corpus Christi Regional Economic Development Company, uh, City of Corpus, Corpus Christi Chamber of Commerce as well, are clients of ours as well. So there are several others, but... Both sound like some great companies, well, well respected. So, how will our listeners get a hold of you and take advantage of the services that High Touch Technology has to offer? Well, you can contact me at Cecil C E C I L J at High Touch H I G H T O U C H I N C dot com. My direct number is three six one seven three seven zero six four six. And our website is www.hightouchinc.com. Well, Cecil, it sounds like your company, High Touch Technologies, is a great contender in the website and software market. I want to thank you for coming in and being our industry spotlight guest, and we hope to hear more from you in the future. I'd also like to thank you for being part of the Shell Energy Committee in Corpus Christi to help us grow awareness for energy uh, in the Corpus Christi area. And that about does it for this week's In the Oil Patch. For Ken Bellato and Alvin Bailey, I'm Roy Holly. So long. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Ken Bellato, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.